We gotta go to the bullpen. Welcome to the Highland Bullpen, the all-new podcast bringing America's pastime to Scotland shores. It doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer heading for Cooperstown or you're fresh out of the minor leagues, this is the podcast for you. Hello baseball fans, wherever you are, and a warm welcome to episode 9 of the Highland Bullpen Baseball Podcast. This playoff special will see the guys run the rule over the playoffs and who they reckon could win this year's World Series. A hint, one of our bullpen bros still has a chance of seeing their team winning the big prize. And talking of big prizes, the seventh inning stretch quiz comes to an end, so let's see who's the champion among the bullpen bros. Bases loaded this week sees the bullpen bros, myself, Alan, Dave Ince and Dave Jr. assess our team's performances over this 60 game season and we also look at some of the rule changes that came in and give it the thumbs up or thumbs down on where they should be kept for baseball seasons ahead. The playoffs loom large and our four teams have enjoyed differing fortunes, it's fair to say, over the course of a shorter 60-game MLB season. My Mariners have made a game effort, they're a young squad, and they've done well to get as close as they have done, but they've just come up short. Allen's Detroit Tigers, I think, would probably be put themselves down as a decent effort as well. Davis's Red Sox, we will say no more at this point, but you'll probably hear his sobs at various points during this episode, so... So Dave, Dave Junior, then you you're the one the one bullpen bro who's still sitting pretty. Your White Sox are guaranteed a place in the postseason, and it looks like you're still in with a real chance of the divisional title. Last man standing, last man standing, just like a night out in Holland. Last man standing. <laughs> um, yeah, although it's funny the, the way that life works. I suppose that sport works. You'd asked me this a week ago, and White Sox were absolutely flying. I think you know, something like 11 out of the last 13, 13 out of the last 17, on a, a cracking run. I think I mentioned to Alan uh, on an off-topic discussion one night, I felt there was a really, really tough ending to the season coming. Dave's mentioned before, it's a really strong division. It's a really interesting division, and I think that in talking about the top three teams, you're almost doing a disservice to the Tigers and, and the Royals, uh, because I think both have probably either played or they had a better record than they might have expected this season. In terms of the playoffs themselves, um, again, just a little bit of a, a shine has come off things for the White Sox in the last week with losing quite a few. Again, the playoffs, that's fantastic. It's the first time in, I think, the best part of 15 years for the White Sox. At first glance, you might think that three teams qualifying from a five-team division makes makes that third-choice team weak, when in actual fact, it's just that there's three very strong teams in that division. Again, we've, we've spoken before about 162-game seasons. Even a 60-game season, it's a hell of a lot of games, and every game really is a... I know we can't say a six-pointer, but they, they count for so much more during this season. Alan, just looking at the way the, 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 the playoff, the seedings work, that Dave Jr., discussed there so you made the point to me kind of off air that it's very different playoffs in baseball only mean one thing it means you're competing at the top end and with a dream of that ultimate prize the world series as opposed to football where playoffs are more commonly associated with with the drop zone with the bottom end of the table as well yeah yeah no it's it's, it's interesting um i remember when we first introduced playoffs to football and i think a lot of us Pooed them and thought, no, this is a this is a stupid idea. It's how the season finishes. You can't have a situation where somebody can be ten points behind somebody and actually end up achieving more than them. I think in football we've generally grown to to love them and appreciate them. Uh, but yes, they're determined to help decide promotions and relegations, and, and generally not championships. The playoffs here are interesting. I initially thought baseball was all about the World Series. I now see that you're winning your division. And then once you won your division or you go through in a wildcard position, you would then look to win your championship. So you are winning things along the way. But the playoffs also represent the fact that we effectively have two 
championships taking place here, the National League and the American League. And, and the ultimate goal is at the end of the playoffs, uh, the best team or the champions from each league will, will then go and play each other. So you are winning things during the playoffs. And if, again, that's something I found strange as well. You're almost celebrating winning a semi-final and you get the T-shirts out. But it's not because you've won a semi-final. It's because you've won an American champ, the American League uh, or, or the National League. Um, so I think, I think the, the more I see it's a clever system, you do have the situation that you would have in football as well. The, the best team over the full season might or might not win. And, and I think the Dodgers are probably a good case in point. The Dodgers have won their own division, not necessarily the championship, the last eight seasons. They're going to do that again, I think, this year if they've not already done that. They've got the best run differential uh, by far of all the teams in the league. But will they actually manage to get through the playoffs where in a three-match playoff, your top pitcher could have an off day um, and this, your second and third pitchers match one-on-one with the opposition. So it's um, n- nothing's guaranteed there. We, we did do a wee Twitter poll on the Highland bullpen. Uh, we got a decent response in that. Um, we actually just did it on the basis with the National League team or an American League team win. Uh, the National League actually came out slightly higher, which probably represented the Dodgers who were in the comments fields. The Dodgers were the only team getting more, more than one comment saying that they, they were the team that were going to win it this year. Well, we know well. There, there are teams who may win it. There's one very famous team who definitely are not going to, and that's the the legendary uh, tenants of Fenway Park, Mister Ince. I know it feels like every week two things happen. We joke about Ted Williams, and we joke about how bad the Boston Red Sox have been. But you look destined to finish bottom of the table this year as well. And and you could have called it at the start, but had you imagined it could have been quite as bad. Uh, no, but there is such a thing, and um, I do occasionally listen to little snippets from a uh, another podcast, and it's called Benny and the Becks. Uh, I kept the name of it. It's uh, to do with the Red Sox, and they're always going mad about how poorly they're operating this year. But there is such a thing uh, as a September gift, and um, there's one or two young players emerging for the Red Sox who are looking quite good. One in particular who might make our Scotland team uh, nine. And he's a young pitcher called Tanner Hauk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether we should go into details on what his surname might refer to. But um, he has only pitched two games. And his first game, he got a win. I think he pitched five innings and only gave up two hits. And then he went six innings against the, the Yankees, no less. And so he's got a couple of wins. He's only 24 years old. And he um, looks very good. And they, these guys on the podcast were very pleased about that. And they also mentioned one or two others. And I think this is what the Red Sox are trying to do. They're trying to sort out their squad and get a, a young squad ready for, for next year and looking ahead for the coming years. But they don't have that uh, weight behind them when they haven't won a World Series for decades. I think they possibly feel that they're, you know, big enough to have a turnaround of a, a season or two. So a little bit of uh, positive uh, <laughs> for the Red Sox. So <laughs> we'll take anything we can we we can get. Is there any criticism of the, the ownership or the management that you've seen, David? Not really, no. I think, uh, well, uh, well. having said that, I think they acknowledge that there's some funny stuff going on, but I think they've got so much in the bank in terms of being the, the best ownership probably the, the, the Red Sox have ever had. And, you know, and certainly if you look at the last 20-odd years, then, you know, they've got what, four World Series um, and they're usually competitive, usually quite a you know a good offensive ball club, good to watch. Um yeah, I was quite surprised actually when Jason's on the other I never I sort of live in my own sort of Red Sox bubble and didn't realise that perhaps, you know, they might not be everyone's favourite team. I think I think there's a lot of people in the UK who uh, when when the Channel Five program came on, Todd Macklin 
was a Red Sox fan. I think Josh Chetwin, who does uh, some stuff with Johnny Gould, he's a Red Sox fan. And there's one or two sort of high-profile guys. I think Phil Jupiter, isn't he? The um, is is a Red Sox uh, fan. So I was a bit surprised to hear that maybe they're not as popular as I thought they might. So, Alan, the, the, the Red Sox have not had their troubles to seek. The Tigers are going to end up in the same position, anchoring anchoring their air table. But I guess from your point of view, that's a different story. It's been uh, some promising signs this season. Yeah, yeah. again, a good good point. Um, I mean, the Tigers, have, I think I've mentioned before, have won the first draft pick the last two seasons. Um, so uh, you, you've, you've, you've got to move on from that. For a while, and yeah, it's a 60-game season, for a while the Tigers were above 500 and were threatening picking up one of the wild-card places in the American League. And I was going to say that only fell apart a couple of weeks ago. Now, that was maybe just over halfway through the season, so it doesn't maybe say an awful lot. But importantly, the number one pick from a couple of years ago, Casey Mize, pitcher, he's uh, he's debuted this season. Uh, another pitcher, Tarek Skubal, debuted this season. In fact, they've had 10 debutants in the whole season, which I think is probably quite unusual in, in Major League. It, it's been a rebuild for a while. It's been um, an intention to rebuild for a while. I, I think that's been an important thing for the Tigers. My, my man, Daz Cameron, fellow clan member, he, he stepped up to the plate and made his Major League debut a few weeks ago. He's an outfielder, but he was struggling at bat. Uh, and I think... For a while, he was down in uh, 0.06 and stuff like that. And you're thinking, this isn't great. But he's he's recovered. He's, I think, something like 164 as we talk this morning. So after a, a dodgy start, he's done well. That, that's important. But, of course, the big news of the Tigers is um, the retirement of Ron Gardenhire at the weekend. He was probably expected to retire at the end of the season uh, and just felt that his... Um, his health was been badly affected. The stress of the COVID situation. He he had been seriously ill a few years ago. He was pretty aware of the risk and what have you involved in the day in day out activity, um, and and obviously decided then to to walk away from it. So so we wish him well, and we then look to see who's going to come and take over the job and 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 continue that rebuild and hopefully give the young guys a, a good chance. Castro. Obviously, I think he might have played the season before briefly, but might officially be seen as a rookie. He's a tremendous uh, season in there as well. So there's promising signs. When you read Tiger's Twitter, you might not feel those promising signs. Um, uh, being a Detroit sports fan these days probably isn't the, the happiest, most exciting place to be. Uh, the, the good old Lions are now something like 11 or 12 games, defeats in a row. So it's probably a pessimistic area to be. but. You know, New, new new manager coming in, a lot of young guys blooded, hope, hopefully next year. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. A similar story for my Mariners as well, Alan. There's a lot of a lot of promising signs. I think this is always going to be a kind of a rebuilding or a building for the future season. Some promising signs in Seattle as well, I think, and it's the uh, something to look forward to. I know that I think Kyle Lewis was named a player of the year, Remarco Gonzalez pitcher of the year. So there's been some real strong performances there as well, I think. Uh, and we'll see what, how Seattle and who do you think will do better next season, Alan? Then uh, D- D- Detroit Tigers or Seattle? Like, are we are we friendly wager just now, Alan? Who? Are yeah, the I'm quite happy to have a wager on that. I'm I'm confident that the the the, the new guys the Tigers have taken in. I'm confident with a new coach, uh, the rebuild is on its way up, and they will they will they will outdo the Mariners next year. So um, uh, I will buy you a pint if um, that that doesn't come through. Tigers versus Mariners. Uh, next season should open up a whole lot more inter-bro possibilities. So naturally, you guys will be playing off against each other. How many games would normally be played over the season? Five, six, yeah. seven? Yeah. Um, and see exactly who comes out on top of me, even have a little bro mini-league, and just take the games between our teams into, into account. Of course, for those of us that missed it, if you want to check back... And one of the earlier episodes, I think three or four from memory, we actually had the Tigers facing off against the White Sox and both Alan and Dave Jr. in hand watching it on the one TV with a couple of beers. That was an extra innings segment that's proven popular. So if you get a chance to to 
catch up with that, please do. And with all our earlier episodes as well, there's some content that stands the test of time. And Alan and Dave Jr. having had a couple of beers discussing the progress of that White Sox and Tigers is definitely one of the highlights. Uh, I wonder if that's also a prelude to Alan's one-on-one record next season, given the White Sox Tigers record this year. No comment. So it's a, it's a very different postseason to, to finish a very different season. It's been expanded from ten teams to to sixteen teams as well. So it's again, it's a substantial change. Dave Senior is a man that's, that's been familiar with, with postseasons and years going past. What do you make about this change? Yeah, eight in each division, uh, eight in each um, league. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a big deal winning the AL or the NL pennant, isn't it? Uh, you know, usually it's in the history books of um, all the uh, various clubs. So, you know, if you don't win the World Series, it's certainly the next best thing is to be your um, is to be in it because that means you're the American or the National League champions. So, um, yeah, eight teams, one versus eight. I think in it seed one versus eight. That's the way it plays out. I think the one thing about the Twins, if I'm remembering right, rightly is that they usually they have had a good team in the last few years, but they keep coming up against the Yankees and in the playoffs, and I think they have trouble in knocking them out. So uh, watch out for that one. Dave Junior, you've seen the the, uh, the White Sox against the Twins this season. That'd be right, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, the Twins, really good all-round team, if I'm being honest. Uh, the only other thing that I would point out is uh, I dread playing the Indians all the time whenever... Um, They've got such a, a great pitching team, uh, and that's just across the board. I think they've got a real good history of producing solid starting pitchers, uh, and none other than Bieber, who I think he's, he's on course for potentially <laughs> one of the... Yeah, Justin. And he's on course to certainly been talking for uh, MVP this season. And whenever he plays the White Sox, at least... It's just a nightmare game. He's absolutely solid, uh, and there's just no getting away from him at all. Yeah, that's Shane Bieber rather than Justin, Shane. I reckon. Just a quick point. I, I shouldn't really give any encouragement to Dave Jr.'s uh, White Sox here, but, but I'm going to. Thanks, Alan. Having, um, in our first episode, we talked about allocating Scottish teams to baseball teams, and we put the Minnesota Twins in with Inverness' Cali Thistle. So on on that basis, uh, I'm I'm up for you, Dave, and up for the White Sox. Yes. <laughs> Would that be Twinverness, Cali Thistle? Oh, I'll get my coat. <laughs> so did, at least one thing we can safely say: we don't yet know who's going to claim the divisional pennant, so who's going to win the World Series. But we do know that baseball has managed to get to the end of the regular season, at least. And I think we've got every reason to hope that they'll get to the end of the, the postseason as well. So did we think we would we would get here? Did we think this would actually be a season that could be completed? And, and how much credit do Major League Baseball deserve for making the changes that allowed them to see this season through? Just to kind of offer my tuppence first, I really felt after the first seven to ten days, I thought it was in real jeopardy. I think the Cardinals and one other two other teams were really struggling at that point. Uh, again, I think I've said it before, the way that the MLB, the way that the teams have managed to just sheer force of will get this through. Uh, you know, huge plaudits to a lot of the teams. Uh, again, the Cardinals seem to be playing two games every day just now. That affects other teams within the leagues. The way that everybody's handled it, it's got us all to a point where it's not really in doubt anymore. It'll be really interesting to see how the, the final 16 go when we're restricted to all these different stadiums and, and areas, how the weather impacts those teams will be particularly interesting. But no, I think it's I think it's great that we've got to this point, Richard. Dave Senior, were you equally confident that we would get here? Yeah, I remember us talking about this and um, uh, yeah, I think the, the, the sport of baseball, the governors, um, you know, de- deserve credit for, for getting it through. There's always criticism when you bring in new ideas and uh, 60 games so it sounds a lot didn't it but it's it's what well, it's about it's almost just over a third of a of a normal season isn't it but it's um i think it's all valid i think it's uh you know i think we'll look back on this as being 
quite an innovative season. There might be things which, uh, you know, carry through to MLB for, for the future that have started here. And that there may be other things that come out of the ideas that have taken place, you know, out of necessity. Yeah, yeah, I think credit to the players and the clubs. Um, I think when you consider the, the spread of the virus and these are the guys who are actually out there going about their jobs and doing the day-to-day business, um, but they've managed to get through the season after the early concerns pretty much unscathed. So good good, good job to everyone. Thank, thank them for uh, making that happen. Um, in terms of finishing the season, uh, the, the Tigers are currently sort of scheduled to play their last series starting tonight with the Royals, um, but there is still the possibility they'll play the Cardinals in a, a, a two-game series, two, two games in one day next week. I, I didn't read the full details of it. Obviously, that game will be played primarily for the benefit of the Cardinals, but they're only going to play it if it's going to affect certain seeds that they would potentially have. So it shows that's still of interest, but Somebody then made the comment, um, obviously the Tigers season is then over. So if they're then playing those two games against the Cardinals, it's, it's in the Tigers' interest just to lose the two games um, because it, it changes them from something like the 12th draft pick to the 5th draft pick, uh, which is fairly crazy stuff. Uh, but it, it, shows you, it shows you how the system works and how the system is quite different. I was going to say, just uh, it's interesting, Alan's point on draft picks there. Uh, the White Sox, one of our draft picks from June, actually made his pitching debut this week, right. uh, which I think, so he's never actually went through having played a minor league game, which is fairly rare these days. Uh, I think the last time it was done was many, 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 many years ago. Um, and again, his first, I think he played one innings uh, and every pitch was over 100 miles per hour. So he was he had quite a tasty start to his, to his MLB career. I thought it was uh, interesting. Cannonball arm. Well, tell you what, guys, and and this is we're totally unprepared for this bit, which might surprise those of you that think we prepare for any bit. But there's some major rule changes have taken place this season. Let's do a quick straw poll around the bullpen bros uh, to see whether we want them kept or binned for baseball going forward. Four of us. So Hamish can cast the deciding vote if we can't agree, but we can, we'll start off with the changes that have taken place for, for extra innings, part of that general trying to speed up the results, etc. So, so this year we've seen each half inning begin in extra innings with a runner already placed on second base, which obviously makes it kind of a high pressure and high reward situation right from the start. Do we like that innovation, a runner on second base in extra innings? Keep it or bin it. We'll kick off with Dave Jr. Um, it's not came up too often in, in any of the White Sox games so far. I've not witnessed it. But when I heard about it, I thought it's a great idea. It's almost, if I'm relating it back to football, a bit similar to the golden goal. You know, you've got that, that start, you've got that chance to, to go ahead and to finish the game off, particularly when, it's, uh, when you've got all these other games to cram in over the coming days. So I would keep it. 1-0 then, Alan? Uh, keep it as well. Having the first three Major League Baseball games I went to all went to extra innings, including one to the 13th, 14th innings. A couple of things strike me is that, um, A, they stopped serving alcohol at the seventh inning stretch, um, so you could be there for a wee while afterwards. And B, in that particular occasion, I had in one of them I had to leave to go and catch a flight back to the UK. So, um, yeah, I'm... I think that's a good change. And the, the crowds tend to drift away. So for people watching the game live, I think give them the chance of that quicker entertainment. That's disappointing, Alan, that you would prioritise a flight home over staying to the end of the baseball extra innings. Very disappointed, and you call yourself a fan. But yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense as well. And particularly a good point round about the beer stopping being served at the seventh innings as well. Don't know why I thought of that. Yeah. It's strange that because we usually are we're keen to repair to somewhere where they're, they're still prepared to give us beer as quickly as possible. Dave Senior, it looks like we're heading towards a clean sweep. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I, I've got no problem with that. I, I was actually uh, trying to look up uh, a, a quote, which I can never remember quotes exactly, but uh, baseball is a game where in theory it could last forever. And the quote goes on to say, and some feel like they do. 
And, you know, it's not always a good thing for a game to go on for in, indefinitely. So, yeah, I think uh, once it's gone nine innings, then if you can find a way to speed it up a bit and putting a guy on second base is a pretty good way of doing that. So, yeah, I'll make it a clean sweep. Well, we'll wait and see what Hamish thinks. <laughs> Well, that's he uh, will let him see, but we're certainly a, a grand slam amongst the bullpen bros as well. I think it's it's added something as well. There's always there's always a question mark about whether baseball slowed up too much over the years as well. So I think any small steps that can ensure that it's kind of played at a kind of brisk pace, which where baseball's at its best, I think that's that's a good thing. The next one I think might be more contentious: the universal DH. The the, the doing away with pitchers having to bat. Now, I think we've already had varying opinions on this, so I suspect this won't be a grand slam. But, Alan, first off then, Universal DH, keep it or bin it? I, I, I would bin it. Uh, I, I like the fact that two leagues do something different. Uh, I like the fact that it's uh, it, it can lead to some crazy and interesting situations where, where pitchers get getting in there and, and batting. And it adds a little bit of fun to interleague games, so keep it. Okay, there we have it. We've got one in favour of uh, of re- restoring the, the former rules round about designated hitters. Yeah. So we, absolutely, Dave Junior, do you you agreeing with Alan, or are you are we getting a, a Tigers White Sox at opposite ends of the the spectrum here? I'm not fully up to date with it in that I've never really witnessed baseball without it, so it's a little bit unfair. I'm with Alan, to be honest. I like the difference in rules. I like the idea of the pitcher hitting. Um, I think it just brings an extra dynamic that's, um, as a as a new fan, it's it feels a bit different. It feels a bit cool. So I quite like it, to be honest. Okay, well, tell you what, there's far too much being reasonable here going on. So I'm going to say that I, I like the new change. I like the idea that you're seeing everybody at bat as a proper potential home run hitter a, a quality a quality batter nobody there's going to be coming up with a 180 average or whatever I like the idea you go to sport and you see the very best athletes the very best sportsmen competing so I will just for a change be on the opposite side from my my uh, fellows in the bull in the bullpen but Dave Senior you'll no doubt bring a bit of a bit of wisdom to this discussion what do you reckon not at all. No, I don't. I don't disagree with what you said. Uh, I, I suspect that's maybe what will happen. I think they probably do. Uh, you know, think that um, more DH in every club is probably the way to go. I feel that there's probably enough big hits in the game, isn't there? Just now, you're not short of home runs. Uh, do we need another sort of? Uh, 16 or 15 uh, DHs knocking the ball out of the park or yeah I think I would you're not getting a lot of wisdom you're just getting maybe uh, I'll stick with the, the keep it keep it as it was rather than going forward with the okay so tradition wins out there in the second so we've got one uh, one grand slam for a new rule being kept we've got uh, one where we want to restore the old way of doing things. Let's see what the third and decisive one turns out like. So relievers now have to face at least three battles or alternatively, they can close out an innings. So do we like that innovation so you're not getting so much of a rapid-fire cycling of, of relievers in that each have to at least be involved long enough to face three battles? Dave Jr.? Tough one. Um, I like them being given a chance. You do see or have seen a lot of tactical stuff like you'll you'll get a pitcher coming in to face uh, a, you know a right-handed batter and then you might even get the bat inside chain taking him out and putting the lefty in and you know I think yeah three batters or a full innings I think that is a, probably a good rule actually because yeah, it does take a bit of time to for the pitchers to warm up and you really want one guy coming in just to face one hitter. Wouldn't violently agree or disagree either way, but I would probably support keeping that going forward. Yeah, so so Dave Jr., on that basis then, that it's another aspect to kind of speed up the game. What do you reckon then? Keep it or bin it? I'm going to have Dave just do all my votes from now on. He's far more <laughs> eloquent than I am. Um, I, I would keep it. I agree with when Dave 
uh, spells it out like that. I think it makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, as much as I love a bit of nonsense, uh, when it comes to aspects like that, I think that feels uh, it could be open to abuse if you can just constantly uh, change your pictures like that. So I think it, it makes it a bit more, um, yeah, a bit more competitive if you can keep things in in the new manner. Alan, to close us out, what do you reckon? Yeah, I, w- I wanted to be awkward and go the other way from the guys, um, and I also started thinking if I don't go the other way, it sounds like we're um, a, just being universal in our votes. I think the interesting thing here, and, and then I thought to myself, actually, is all we're doing saying, yeah, we like all these new rules. But there's a reality as to why you would like new rules. It's because it's possibly been something that they might have been talking about behind closed doors and on Twitter forums and what have you for a number of years. And then somebody's decided, actually, this is now the time to do it. But having said that, when I vote with the guys at the same time, in terms of new rules, I want to go back on the DH thing. And also, I want to go back on the the one you didn't ask about. I want to go back to the traditional format of playoffs. I, I don't think the 16th team in that 30-team league should have a shot at the World Series. That seems reasonable to me as well, Alan. And just a final thought. Uh, I know we often discuss baseball in the context of football, soccer as well. What's been the most significant rule change in football in our lifetimes? And I'm going to start off with, with Dave Senior there, totally randomly, Dave Senior, but I'm just going to ask you, what's the biggest change you've seen in your time? Well, I'm going to give rather a, a silly answer to this. Um, and this goes back many, many years that uh, I remember a young lad I used to go to school with, you know, not just... Uh, uh, secondary school, primary school, and his his father had this theory about all football games should be pretty much all of them should have been voided because at the kickoff for the start of a game, the rule used to be that the ball had to roll its full circumference. Yep. Is that correct? and quite often, you know, you would just get the guy tap it half a. Half a yard to the guy, and on it would go. Uh, so yeah, I think that he will be smiling down on the new rules where they just boot it out of the <laughs> centre circle and uh, on the go. So yeah, all games are now valid in football. That's a great. Game. That is definitely an improvement. That's definitely good. So we can we don't have to hand back out all of those trophies that our teams may have won <laughs> over over the years. And I'm pleased to hear that, Alan. What what's been the rule that's either. Yeah improve or ruin football for you? I'm probably going to go with relatively, what I think is a relatively serious answer and, and I'm going to say the three points for a win. I was brought up with two points for a win and that uh, in comparison to baseball that effectively is giving the same idea as the, the percentage points but what three points for a win effectively tried to do was to encourage attacking football to encourage teams to try to win games rather than than draw them and I think that's a positive Uh, I think it's maybe something for the the one point for a draw is interesting that's something for baseball possibly to reflect on as well if if we don't look at the extra innings but um, that's a significant rule change which I guess probably anybody under the age of 35 or 40 maybe doesn't really think about too much that's a really good one, I think, there, Alan. And what strikes me is that the example you give is a really good one. It changed how teams approach games to be more dynamic. For me, yeah. it's one I think was even more fundamental, though, because it didn't change approach. It's literally transformed our football and definitely the level of athleticism. It used to be when I was young, you could pass back to the goalkeeper and the goalkeeper could pick the ball up. And often that could be, you'd watch games and somebody would pass the ball back from... 50, 60 yards, the goalkeeper would, would pick up, roll out to his fullback, he'd pass it back, pick it up. And when you actually look back in those old games, ones we consider classics, and yeah. look at the difference in athleticism and speed, and I think that largely came from no longer having the option of just passing it back the ball to the Good. goalkeeper as well. Now, Dave Jr., you're a, you're a younger chap than me. Can you remember that era where people could pass back to the goalkeeper and they could pick it up? Yeah, you actually stole my thunder. That was... Uh, the the rule change that I was going to go for. I'm actually more amazed at Alan because usually one of his pub tales is he remembers one of the very first games where goalposts were introduced. That's <laughs> quite quite something at that time. I think Alan remembers the, the first time he saw a formation that wasn't two three five. <laughs> I love a two three five. Yeah, 
Um, I, again, the, the ones that jump out to me, it might even be something very, very recent. And although it's just a temporary change, uh, the amount of mass substitutions during the COVID games, it made a lot of games feel a bit like international friendlies when entire teams would just change. I think there's always room to look at these things, but it feels as if when you can tweak your entire team at will, uh, it takes away a little something from uh, maybe even giant killing games. But um, no, I think the, the three points that you all raised there were, were really valid, really good. Yeah, just one last point in terms of football. Um, the rangers villain Tway game is on in the background in the, the Europa League, so it's... Um, 2-0 to Rangers at halftime. Um, I'm sure you'll be, you'll be pleased to know. Uh, but it, it reminds me of our trip to Tilburg when we, we saw Willem Tway in a goalless draw uh, actually this year, which seems hard to believe it was in this year anyway. But uh, I'm just wondering if any of you have any culinary highlights from that day out. Well, I'm trying to remember. Certainly, I think... We certainly must have done some eating between the drinking, Alan, I imagine. But uh, I'll try to pinpoint, well, I think actually one of our number, I think, did Dave Senior not identify quite a, a delicacy? Was that on that trip? One of the crockets. Indeed. <laughs> crockets. Not just crockets, but the crockets in a row. Crockets you know, sandwiches. Uh, I don't know. Well, how would you describe these uh, crockets? They're like uh, potato and meat. And a batter, yeah. I was thinking of the chips and how they eat their chips as well. They're extremely tasty anyway. Yeah, and then the chips, were the chips not accompanied by mayonnaise, Alan, as yeah. well, I think? Yes, 100%. Brilliant. Is that a, I, I quite took to that, and I'm being a typical West of Scotland male, I genuinely don't trust anything that's not deep fried and salt and vinegar and tomato sauce or, or brown sauce and I'm feeling exotic but actually that was uh, that was very nice indeed and and you became so well versed in the world of the Crockett as well Dave Senior we're going to we claimed we might see if we can persuade you to write some kind of cookery column and we could have called it Dave's Crockett's that was the idea was it Dave's Crockett's that's it yeah absolutely yeah. brilliant yeah. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Highland Bullpen we're also featuring on all the usual social media channels, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for the Highland Bullpen. On Twitter, our handle is at H-B-U-L-L-P-E-N, at H-Bullpen. At Instagram, it's Highland underscore Bullpen. And Facebook is quite simply the Highland Bullpen. We've also got our email address, highlandbullpen at gmail.com. We really appreciate those of you who've got in touch, asking questions. We are here to learn ourselves and we're here to help you guys learn as well. So feel free to contact us and follow us on any of those channels. Thank you. Every baseball fan knows that music means only one thing. It's the seventh inning stretch, and here in the Highland Bullpen, that means it's time for a quiz. go with the quiz and um, I'll give you an update on the scores because this is our ninth episode I think so equivalent of the nine innings and we kind of thought that this might be the culmination of of the previous rounds and if we have a look at the scores um, plenty of hits but just uh, give you the note of the runs Rich has got five Dave um, last week pulled up on Rich and got five and Alan after a great start, has left a few on base, and he's got two. But the way we're going to do it this week, it could still be uh, interesting because if Alan gets his right and um, the other two, Rich and Dave, don't, then the final open question will put an extra man on base, like the new rules, <laughs> and um, we'll make that worth two. So uh, to kick us off, all these questions are connected with the four clubs who are going to host the neutral venues for the, um, the playoffs. 
and um, we'll start off with Dave and uh, the San Diego Padres, okay? So they play at uh, Petco Park, is uh, the home of San Diego Padres. They opened in 2004, unlike some of the other ones. Um, it doesn't have a roof, retractable or otherwise, and they play on grass. The Padres started life in 1969, which was a, another expansion year, but they were a brand new team, unlike some of the other teams who were franchise moves from um, established clubs. They took their name, the Padres, from a local successful minor league team that had won the Pacific Coast League title in 1937, thanks in part to an 18-year-old future Hall of Famer, Ted Williams, a native of San Diego. I, I kid you not, he could not make this up when I started reading about this. I just couldn't believe it. He's actually born in San Diego and played for the, uh, <laughs> the minor league, well, the Pacific Coast League. Anyway, your question. Famous players who have actually played for the Padres include Trevor Hoffman, who became the first pitcher to record 500 saves in 2007, but perhaps their favourite son, and he's known as Mr. Padre, was a right fielder who played his entire 20-year career with the Padres between 1982 and 2001. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2007 and recorded a lifetime batting average of 338, over 3,000 hits and 1,000 RBIs. He was eight times NL batting champion, and he actually won the prestigious Roberto Clemente Award in 1999. An all-round good guy. I think uh, we've mentioned him before on this show, and Jason, our friend Jason Durr, also gave him a good mention of one of his favourite players. Can you name him? I can. Is that the question? Yes. <laughs> yes, I can. So I'll move you on to the part two. <laughs> Again, the only reason that I knew this guy was because of because of Jason. Um, and again, that particular team. I'm actually going to do a little segment. Uh, was it, I can't remember the name that Richard gave it, if it was Dave's Digest or, or something. But that particular team, the Padres team, I've got so many interesting facts. Um, I could go on about them for a while. I was doing a bit of reading on them the other week. But to answer your question, is the big, Welsh, the big Welshman? Yes. <laughs> is it Tony Gwynn? Spot on, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> have some Welsh blood in him somewhere. Yeah, I think everybody's favourite player, and a fantastic guy. So, uh, yeah, that's cool, Dave. So, as a follow up to that, um, yeah, to get you uh, to get your run on the board. Yeah, he was a fantastic hitter. He missed out on a World Series championship for San Diego in. Pretty sure it was in uh, 1984, certainly in 1998. So San Diego's two World Series appearances have both ended in defeat. So they are 0 for 2 um, in the World Series. As far as I can tell, there is only one other club who has such an unfortunate record in the World Series. So they've been in the World Series twice, but they've failed to win. Do you know who they are? I can give you a, a clue if you don't know straight off the bat. I would appreciate a clue. Oh, well, it's, it's one of the other four teams in this round. And it's just thinking it through, it's probably no surprise that a lot of these are um, expansion teams. So, you know, their history probably doesn't go back more than sort of 50 years or, or so. So I think you've got a choice of <laughs> the, other, the other three. So I'm pretty sure it's not the Dodgers. I'm pretty sure it's not the Astros, which leaves me with the other one. <laughs> which which I have to say I cannot remember at all. Are they two 0 up at the moment? <laughs> oh, of course it's Willem. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's sorry, it's the mighty Texas Rangers. Well, the rattlesnakes. 
well done, Dave. Yeah, quite recently, actually, sort of 2010 and 2011. So, uh, yeah. So that's you on the board again. Nice going. So, Alan, shall we turn to your good self? So, how about those Texas Rangers? So these are these are sort of complete the National League um, bubble, and they play at Globe Life Field in uh, <laughs> insurance, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. I think we've mentioned before when we play in Arlington, Texas. Um, it's this is a brand new stadium that's only opened this year. I think there was a, a previous um, stadium yeah. called the Globe Life as well. So I think they've been the uh, sponsors for a while. It's, um, yeah. So it has a re- this has a retractable roof and air conditioning like uh, Minute Maid Park. I think in uh, in in Texas where the temperatures can reach a hundred degrees in summer, your sort of fan comfort is pretty important. But the whole thing costs one point two billion dollars apparently, right. and um, the it's in part funded by a local tax which the people of Arlington voted for. So, the question, also, uh, like the other teams, Texas Rangers were an expansion team in 1961, but they didn't start off life in Texas. The franchise actually began in Washington until they moved to Arlington, Texas in 1971. Can you tell me their original Washington name? Um, I'm, I'm actually thinking as well. There might be. A, I'm not sure if it was a current sports team with this name as well, or, or whether I've got it from this. But it's obviously to do. It's a political. Thing. Yes. Not, yeah. It, it's the the senators. That's spot on. On. Yeah. Excellent. Nicely done. Yeah. Again, when I was reading about this, it's amazing what you find out, and it's quite complicated. I hope we've got time for it, but. I think there was an original Washington Senators team that moved to Minnesota um, a few years before then and became the Twins. So this was a new Washington Senators team that lasted only 10 years in the capital before it moved to Texas. So their fans were furious. Um, Quite an interesting read if you want to look it up about what they did on the last game of the season. And they had to wait another 34 years, but I guess it was worth the wait. And the current Washington Nationals team um, were, of course, came from the Montreal's Expos franchise. So I think I've got all that right. (laughs) (laughs) It's very complicated, but it can be pretty tough being a sports fan in in America, you know. Yeah. Teams moving about, and the, the fans, both in Washington and Montreal, for that matter, were very uh, upset about their teams moving. Anyway, here's a here's a question to get you home. There's a statue outside the ballpark called "Going to the Show," um, which commemorates Texas Rangers' first World Series appearance in 2010 and it immortalises the embrace of former players Feliz and Molina, the catch in the picture, um, moments after defeating the New York Yankees in Game 6 of the 2010 American League Championship Series. I can sort of reveal now that they didn't go, obviously didn't go along to, to win that, but um, there is a, another statue outside, and it's of one of the greatest pitchers of all time, uh, Nolan Ryan. He played 27 seasons and finished his career in Arlington with um, with with the Rangers. He played his last four seasons for them in 19, between 1989 and 1993. He was famous for his fastball pitching, regularly exceeding 100 miles an hour. And his his nickname is testimony to this. Can you tell me his nickname? He's, 
he is quite well known, although it's going back a few years. Um, some seed. I, I think I know this. I don't, I don't know why. I've got in my mind the Ryan Express. That's absolutely brilliant. Alan. I don't know where that came from, but I, I will take it. Your vast treasure trove of sports knowledge. It isn't Nolan Ryan because that's like a classic back to front name, isn't it? Yeah. You, you would think you would look at that and think it's Ryan Nolan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, I think he holds pretty much all the pitching records, as you can imagine, over uh, 27 seasons that he was at the top. So well done, Al. Thank you. And over to um, Rich. How about the Los Angeles Dodgers? Go for it. I'm ready. So, Dodger Stadium is actually the third oldest ballpark in the in Major League Baseball after Fenway and Wrigley. It certainly looks like a beautiful stadium. Do you know, I'll give you a sort of clues, but do you know when it opened? I'll give you a bit of bit of leeway. There, so they're another franchise team, and of course, Los Angeles Dodgers uh, came from Brooklyn, um, and in the, in the late fifties. But I, I think you perhaps might know a little bit about this. I'm sure you've mentioned this before, where they played before their current stadium. But um, anyway, let's see what you think. I've got a fairly narrow period of time where I think it would be because of the timeline. Timeline, I think it must be early sixties because they were taking time to build a stadium. But I'd be guessing the year. I'll go for sixty-three. I'm going to give you that sixty-two. Brilliant. Well done. They they played in that. I'm I'm pretty sure you. Someone's mentioned this on the program before. They played in the Los Angeles um, Coliseum before that. So, um, yeah, it looks a fantastic stadium. I don't know, has any of us been there? I've, not, I've certainly never been to... I've been, and you've, you've been supporting me whilst I was there. Yeah, that's right. We've talked about this before, haven't we? Yeah, I kind of knew the answer to that. Yeah, it looks absolutely fantastic. It's got that yeah. sort of... Um, I don't know, how, how would you describe the roof in the, in the outfield? I thought it was fairly, it actually to me looked reasonably, what I'd have called yeah, reasonably traditional. What, what, what I'd have liked to have done, and I saw something on a Twitter page this week about going, when you go to a stadium, do you go as high as you can to get a view? And I actually think when I look back at the area and you see some of the aerial photographs of Dodger Stadium, there must be fantastic views around mm. the place because I think it's built quite high up. In, in the part of the city it's in. So you've then got a fantastic vista uh, around Los Angeles. Alan's getting mixed up again. He thinks we're talking about the Coliseum in Rome. He was at matches there. <laughs> that's one of the most amazing stadiums I've actually seen. That's, that's another topic for another time. <laughs> different things there. Yeah, a couple of Olympics, haven't they? Uh, so your follow-up question, uh, Rich? Yep. There have been um, many great moments at the stadium. Um, in, uh, again, this comes from research, but uh, in 1965, Sandy Koufax pitched a perfect game. There have only been 23 such instances in MLB history and only 21 in the modern era since 1901. So... Can you tell me or give me a sort of definition of what constitutes a pitcher pitching a perfect game? Well, uh, that definitely give you a couple of clues on this. Well, he must not give up any hits. He must, as in a minimum number of innings, have to be pitched. He doesn't yeah, pitch the whole game. Yeah, I would say it's got to be a minimum 
of nine innings. I suppose theoretically it could go into yeah. extra innings, but yeah, it's. Um, I suppose by definition, it's um, it's it is a no hitter, and it would be a shutout. But there's a sort of another element of environment that uh, gives it that measure of perfection. If you think what what he would have to do in terms of um, getting the batters out. Is it is it all all strikeouts or rather than being doesn't necessarily out? have to be strikeouts as as such? Do you know what? Just like my Mariners, I think my promising season is going to fall just short at the last. So yeah. I'm quite, I'm not going to get that one. I'm afraid, Dave. Probably Seymour. a bit of a tough one. I mean, I explain it very well, but. Um, Perfect game, a team must not allow any opposing player to reach base by any means, including hits, obviously, walks, hit by um, pitch, um, even an on-court third strike or a fielder's error. So, in short, it's basically 27 batters up, 27 batters down. So, that's... um, that makes That'd sense. Be a perfect game. It, I think I've, I think I've read about it that it, you can still have a perfect game, and it might not be the one pitch. It could be a combination of pitches. So, um, but the other famous one is when uh, Don Larson threw one in the 1956 World Series for for the Yankees um, back in the day. So. Well, just uh, there you go. I fell short of last, and before my fellow Mariners fans start giving me abuse, I should have got that one because the very last perfect game to be pitched in MLB, Dave Senior was by the Seattle Mariners and Felix Hernandez what back in it? 2012. Yep, that was in a, a 1-0 victory over Tampa Bay. So I was uh, doubly shameful that I didn't get that one right. Yeah, I'm not sure I knew. I thought there was one relatively recently, but I wouldn't have, if you'd have asked me that question, I wouldn't have been able to come up with his name. Dave, I'd, I'd actually seen one of these ESPN 30 for 30 on um, the boy Kufax. Uh, and that guy, what, what an amazing career. Um, again, that's maybe a chat for another day. Um, he'd, he actually refused to play in one game in the World Series because it uh, it coincided with Yom Kippur, um, and again he was heralded. Really? Yeah, he was really held up by the Jewish community for that. Um, but actually, see that game when he, he threw a perfect game. The poor I don't know the other guy's name, but the pitcher for the other team, it was he threw a one hit game, um, and oh. the, the actual game finished one nil. But the uh, from memory. The, the run scored wasn't actually through the hit. It was through a walk and a couple of stolen bases. Uh, but I think that game in particular, I don't know if that would be great for fans to go to in one hand, that you've got two pitchers going toe-to-toe, or there's no hits. It's yeah, I think they, yeah, I think the baseball, um, real true baseball fans would, would see that as a classic, you know, a pitcher's duel. I think the sort of low-scoring games, um, uh, you know, yeah, kind of look at that as old style baseball. I, th- I think more it's more appreciated than the the classic Italian football style of nil nil being a perfect game. I, I think it's quite a different concept for that. So yeah, yeah, it usually make, moves quite quickly as well, doesn't it? You know, good, I have some good uh, defensive players in there as well. Uh, well, congratulations to, to Dave Jr. Not only is his Chicago White Sox the pick of our teams, but he's brought home the bacon in the seventh inning stretch quiz as well. So, well done, Dave Jr. Good job. Uh, a few hints along the way. Thank you. <laughs> but just to close off the quiz for the season, I have one more question for Dave Sr. And this is about a young gentleman who made some minor waves in baseball. You may not have heard of him. chap called Ted Williams. Oh, no. Ted Williams served in the Korean War. He was a, a kind of a, a hero in the Korean War as well. Yeah. Dave Senior, do you know what branch of the US military Ted Williams served in? 
Uh, I have a feeling uh, I might have um, got this uh, mentioned something about him being in the army before, but it was a, it was a pretty sure he was a pilot. I think he I think he was uh, probably a, a fighter pilot, so he was in the American Air Force. You are, this breaks my heart to tell you this, Dave Senior, especially after you've just cost me victory right in the final innings. You're you're absolutely half right if there's such a thing. He was indeed a fighter pilot and he flew 40 missions, but he was in the Marines. Ah, right. Because of the way the US Armed Forces are set up, ah. you can be in the Marines and also fly fighter jets. But <laughs> no, I think knowing he was a pilot was, was very impressive. So well done. <laughs> and thanks for your efforts. I think we'd agree. The bullpen bros and Hamish, that the quiz master's been in top form throughout the nine innings. It's been a pleasure. Perfect game, Dave. So there you have it. Dave Jr. emerges triumphant with a narrow victory at the end of nine innings of the seventh inning stretch quiz. I wonder if his White Sox will enjoy such good fortune in the playoffs. That's it for this week on the Highland Bullpen Baseball Podcast. Keep following and liking us on all the usual podcast platforms, Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and more. Until next week, thanks for listening and we'll see you again soon.